What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three guys that would crack immediately when tortured by Chris Evans with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and how did they spend $200 million on this? I'm Keith Baker, and it's good to see Billy Bob again. And I'm Austin Terry, and Death by Grenade is a common choice made in this movie. To a strange degree. That's a very astute observation, I feel like. Uh, But what movie is Austin talking about? Well, on today's show, we are discussing the new Netflix action spy thriller, The Gray Man, directed by the Russo brothers. But before we get to that, I want to know, how long do you guys think you could realistically survive on the run? Yeah, this question actually crossed my mind while watching this film. And honestly, I think I would turn the corner the second I went on the run and just be shot in the head immediately. (laughs) I have no skills to escape and evade trained professional spies. Yeah, me neither. I feel like I would I would think I would get to a place where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm safe. I'm like in this little hideout, like hotel room. No one knows I'm here. And then I go to my window. I'm like, ah, and then I just immediately get shot in the head by a sniper. <laughs> yeah, because you would make the mistake of going to your window while being on the run. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we would all make little things like that that we, that we don't even think about. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like I would be too trusting. <laughs> I feel like I would... uh I would go to my friend Austin to help me on the run and then And I would <laughs> accept that bounty immediately. <laughs> <laughs> my last thought would be, wow, I didn't know Austin owned a gun. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and get into our main topic of the show today. I don't really have too much of a preamble for this one. I couldn't really think of anything. So if you guys have anything, please jump in. But I don't know. I mean, whenever I first heard about this movie, I got to say I was pretty excited. And I think even after watching it, I mean, the main reason is just... What a great little cast they assembled here. And the idea that it was coming straight to Netflix was cool. This was announced a few years ago. So I think even in like the last few years, uh, I know, Austin, you're passionate about this. But I think the idea of like a Netflix original, eh, that, that's kind of maybe lost its luster, if you want to put it that way, especially on the movie side. Austin was the one that kind of always uh, turned me around on that because he's like, yeah, I mean, out of like hundreds of movies, really, can you think of like fucking five that are even just okay. <laughs> it's like, ah. I, mean, I, I think that would be my preamble for this episode is just, <laughs> we have another Netflix original on our hands with a stellar cast and insane budget. And they're trying to break through to mainstream. They really want to show that they can compete with box office movies and they just haven't shown it yet. They're great at their shows. Um, and this is the one where they assembled the guys that did Endgame. They got the Russo brothers. They got two A-listers for their leads. They got Anna Diarmas. And Netflix is really hoping that they've got a franchise on their hands. So I'll let you guys kind of jump in here. What are your opening non-spoiler thoughts on The Gray Man? I'll say this about The Gray Man. It was, it was entertaining. Like the whole time I was watching it, that's just what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, this is fun. It's entertaining. But the story isn't anything special. It's, the, story, the story is super simple and easy to follow. Going back to what you're saying, Austin, it's like Netflix is still in the process of learning how to make a movie. Like they... They can't get the scripts right, but they, they can get these A-list people. And they're like, look, look who we got to be in this. Yeah, here's our shiny new toys. But then you go into the movie, it's like, oh, okay. It's just, it's another one. <laughs> it's another. So, <laughs> yeah. That's the tagline, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's another. another one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, overall, my non-spoiler thoughts, I, I had a good time watching it, but the whole time I wasn't really like, you know, on the edge of my seat, like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? It was, it was pretty typical, really simple. Chris Evans played like just kind of a, you know, a swarmy little little shit of a guy. Like, I was kind of predictable. And Ryan Gosling played kind of a typical Ryan Gosling character, quiet, you know, kind of has that dry humor about him. I'm not saying the acting was bad at all. It's just kind of, all of it was kind of pretty predictable and, and, and typical these guys. And then Anna de Armas 
played, you know, the strong female lead. And it was kind of kind of like a James Bond, No Time to Die thing with her where she, she was in it a lot, but she didn't really didn't have, have, have a lot to say. Then the ending comes, it's like, okay, that was, that was fun, I guess. That's just how I was left. <laughs> yeah, this one was like empty calories to me. Like, it doesn't suck, but I don't know. I agree with Keith that, like, you know, I was entertained. There were some fun moments, but kind of when the credits rolled, I was like, that was a waste of time. Like, I was, man, I, I did not expect going into a movie like this that I would be wiggling like the mouse, like checking how much time was left. But man, I did it a lot in this movie. I just... And, and yeah, I still, I was kind of entertained by it, but it's not good. So it, it's kind of like, I feel like it's been a long time since I wouldn't recommend something on this show, but I really just don't think there's any point in watching this. Really, I think going back to like the whole Netflix thing and how they handled their movies, I think in a, in a lot of cases, their premises are okay. And I think the premise of the casting here is kind of cool. I mean, I love Ryan Gosling. I think he's one of the few like A-list stars that we have that so seamlessly goes in between drama, like Academy Award level projects, comedy. He and the nice guys is still one of like the best comedic performances I think I've ever For seen. For sure. Um, romance, like he can do it all. And like him as an action lead, like Keith says, totally makes sense. I can, I can, I, I see it. Uh, so it's fun seeing him in this kind of role. It's fun seeing Chris Evans play a villain after playing a hero for so many years. So like that element is kind of cool, but I feel like that's kind of it. The only reason to watch this movie is if you looked at the cast list like I did and you're like, oh, that's cool. And yeah, they're they're all good. They're fine in it. Like, yeah, worth watching. But I can't recommend anything else about this one. Yeah, it's interesting just to to kind of put a cherry on the Netflix conversation. I think if this movie had come out in 2011, 2012 as a Netflix original before they had all these competitors in the streaming space, this movie would probably be seen as a hit for Netflix. They'd be like, wow, look at this insane cast Netflix got for one of their original projects. But now we have services like Apple TV, like Disney Plus, putting out good, solid original content, especially with Apple TV putting out really good movies um, that Netflix can't just kind of put out lackluster, semi-okay stuff and still be at the top of the streaming game anymore. I mean, for the first time in their history, they're losing subscribers. They really needed this movie to be a hit. And I think overall, it's going to be on the Netflix side of things, be perceived as a failure because they spent all this money, the most in their history for a project, and it's getting kind of tanked by critics and fans alike. Um, going into my thoughts on the movie, I would say it's an average to above average um, spy thriller. I kind of echo everything you guys have said. I did have, I think, a bit more fun with this one than you two did. I don't think it's great by any means. I just really enjoyed Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans in the movie. I think they're for sure carrying the film. I don't think they got any help from the Russo brothers' script or direction. I think the pacing is all over the place. It's trying to be like four different movies at one point. Um, there are some fun set pieces. I don't think any of the action particularly stands out, which is a disappointment coming from the Russo brothers being behind the camera for this one. Um, my main recommendation to check this one out would just be to see Ryan Gosling make some funny jokes and Chris Evans play a villain after being a hero for so long, kind of like you said, Matt. Yeah. I agree. Sounds like we're kind of all around the same place on this one, I guess, uh, before we move into spoilers, which I don't know. I think uh, I've been trying more lately on the podcast to like, if there's a movie or TV show that I don't think will like your experience won't be changed if you know what happens, I think you can just stick around. I don't know if you guys agree, but I mean, there's really nothing to spoil. I kind of feel like in the gray man, it's what you expect. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean. If you haven't seen The Gray Man and you want to save yourself two hours and 45 minutes, just listen to the rest of this podcast. We'll break it down for you. Yeah, and we'll do it way yeah. quicker. 
All right, well, hopefully you stuck around. Let's go ahead and get into our normal rigmarole here, and then we'll get into spoilers in just a bit. Austin and Keith, I guess, like we said, you know, the cast and crew, maybe it's the reason to watch this one. So how about you run me through it? All right, so The Gray Man is directed by the Russo brothers, who you may know from Arrested Development, Captain America Civil War, and Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. It's also written by Joe Russo, Christopher Marcus, and Stephen McFeely. Marcus and McFeely are frequent collaborators with the Russos and have extensive contributions to the MCU, and our score for the film is composed by Henry Jackman. All right, and going to our cast, we have Ryan Gosling as Court Gentry, a.k.a. Sierra Six, Chris Evans as Lloyd Hansen, Anna de Armas as Danny Miranda, Jessica Henwick as Suzanne Brewer, Reggae John Page as Denny Carmichael, Wagner Mora as Lazio, Julia Butters as Claire Fitzroy, Danush as Avik, and we got Alfred Woodard as Margaret Cahill, and Billy Bob Thornton as Donald Fitzroy. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? Yeah, um, I guess I have two things I want to comment on here. I think my positive would be Julia Butters as Claire Fitzroy. I think for a kid being in this movie with all these A-listers, she somehow stands out, and I actually think is asked to do the most with her performance, um, just by the character she's portraying. And then this might be a new award or something for this portion of the show, but uh, what the hell is this character question? Um, is going to go to Jessica Hanwick as Suzanne Brewer. I don't understand why this character is in the movie. The only thing she is asked to do is sit in a room with Chris Evans and tell him how bad he is. I feel bad. I love Jessica Henwick. She's like one of my favorite like actresses to watch. And uh, she got stuck with the back-to-back of The Matrix. I can't even remember the, the name of it. The fourth one. <laughs> and That's then, right. And then this. Uh, I unfortunately agree. Well, I think she's totally fine in the movie. Very strange addition that didn't seem like it needed to be. (laughs) Keith, what do you think? I mean, this is one of those weird ones. It's like, I guess it's Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, and Anna Darmus. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'll I'll also, you know, second Austin on uh, Julia Butters as Claire Fitzroy. I I was trying to remember where I'd seen this girl before, and I was like, oh, yeah, she's the girl, the little girl from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood who gives uh, Leo the the note at the end of the the acting scene. She's like, that was the best acting ever. Okay, She was that girl. And I was like, that's where I saw her from. Yeah, she was really good. Um, And I'll shout out Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, but more so Chris Evans um, as Lloyd Hansen. You know, while his character did have many flaws, I I was kind of laughing at some of the stuff. Maybe maybe it was stuff I wasn't supposed to be laughing at, like some Rocky stuff, you know, where like Rocky does some weird shit that we're not supposed to be laughing at that's supposed to be serious. But... I, I still had a good time with Chris Evans as Lloyd Hansen. Um, and then Ryan Gosling, I kind of said it before, he's a good actor. Um, I think he was good in this. I, I, I wish they could have done a little bit more of this character. Maybe they will later. We'll see. But he definitely kind of has that Steve McQueen kind of vibe about him and a lot of the stuff he's in. He kind of, It's just kind of that cool, kind of dry sense of humor. Uh, so as usual, I enjoyed Ryan as well. With Chris Evans, the main thing I enjoyed about his character is just like the quick little quips when he gets like surprised, like the first time Ryan Gosling pulls a grenade on him and he's like, oh, ballsy and jumps out the room. And then the second time he gets a grenade pulled on with Billy Bob Thornton, he goes, oh, you douche and jumps off the building. (laughs) Like both of those lines got me pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, that's (laughs) That's funny. Some good little quips there. I got shot in the ass. <laughs> uh, I don't really know who to shout out. I mean, I agree with all you guys. Uh, Anna de Armas as well. Like, love her. She was great. I agree with you, Keith, though. Uh, just like No Time to Die. It's like you kind of you marketed her as being a huge part of this. And it just seems like she didn't have much to do, unfortunately. Uh, I guess I'd shout out Danush as well. I was happy 
that the lone wolf survived this movie. I think that must have been purposeful. I do kind of want to see him again. I think, I don't know, I think with that character, they at least nailed, like, you know, you think about, like, great characters in movies and TV, like, the ones that have, like, mystery to them. I think they kind of nailed that here without going overboard. A great fight scene, and then I like that he was, like, you know, he the second Lloyd talked about killing a kid, he was out, and then, you know, he didn't, like, become a good guy, but then handed over the encrypted file and then leave so i'm sure if you know they decide to make another one we would see him again but that's really all i can say i mean i i I agree with what you guys are saying it's just i kind of wanted more from everybody because it's like we all know and really like these performers but a lot of them didn't really get interesting stuff to do i mean based on the cast and the crew behind this movie this should be one of the best movies of the year so i think being left wanting more is definitely a fair statement for this one with the lone wolf character i feel like there were scenes with him that were cut out that we didn't see because it's very weird how he's like, he's introduced as a guy that survives the Berlin fight or wherever they are. And then like the next scene is like, these aren't honorable people. I don't want to work with them anymore. Like, I, I think there was a lot with that character we didn't see in the That's final fair. cut of this movie. And yeah, going back to your point, Austin, it, it is interesting. Like, it, it felt like this movie was such an easy hit based on the team they assembled. But then at the same time, when you think about it, I mean, the Russo brothers have been pretty hit or miss honestly maybe even leaning more towards miss when it comes to stuff outside of the mcu so it's one of those unfortunate things where it makes you go oh so is kevin feige kind of actually maybe the brains behind the operation here is he the reason that civil war you didn't love sherry no tom holland (laughs) that was bad uh he did they did that weird um 21 bridges with chadwick boseman and taylor kitsch which was supposed to be bad so yeah they're kind of on a bad streak unfortunately when it comes to like directing at least outside of the mcu do you guys remember that like their claim to fame before uh winter soldier and arrested development was you me and dupree <laughs> <laughs> and like the combat scenes in community i guess was their other claims yeah, to fame i don't know I, I want them to make more good stuff but like whenever you hear them in interviews talking about oh yeah we come back to the mcu to do x project or y project i'm like i think you should because this isn't working <laughs> Please, Kevin, bring us back. Well, Austin, I don't know if Kevin will want them back because of the reviews they've been getting. Uh, The Gray Man has received mixed reviews, to put it mildly, and it is sitting right on the dot, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment. The site's critical consensus is The Gray Man has the star-studded outline of an entertaining action thriller, but it's filled in with lukewarm leftovers from far better films. I thought that was one of the better uh, Rotten Tomatoes loglines we've gotten in a while. Uh, and the, yeah, just to keep it simple, really, we've kind of uh, falling in line with the critics here. Uh, they praise the ensemble cast, but criticize the script and then the pacing of the movie, which is something we should probably talk about uh, later on. Because the pacing, I guess you kind of alluded to it a little bit, Austin, but it's, it's all over the place. It's a very weirdly paced two-hour movie. I 100% agree with everything here. Um, you can definitely tell that they're wanting this to in some way be a John Wick movie. In some ways, they're wanting this to be a Logan-style movie with the kid involvement. They just didn't know the movie they wanted to make, and it, it shows in the final product of this film. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially starting out. Well, I think we'll get into it here in a little bit. But first starting out in the movie, you know, you're introducing this guy that's in prison, and he's joining the uh, Sierra program through Fitzroy. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, this is what this, is what this movie's going to be about. It's going to be about this program and all these guys involved in the program and how they're, you know, expendable, disposable, whatever the term is, and they're going to go from there. But like you said, Austin, it jumps into like a, a rescue movie <laughs> really quick, and then it turns into like a, 
like a mission gone wrong movie. Or, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, like you said, you couldn't. They couldn't decide what direction they wanted to go. So that's that's perfect explanation for this one. Well, and to your point, Keith. I mean, this is just a great jumping off point into our broader roundtable discussion. But I actually did feel like the initial setup of this movie worked worked well enough for the most part. I mean, I really liked the setup of this year a program. I wish that had played a larger role in this film. And I also enjoyed the intro to everyone's characters. I would say for the first. 30 to 35 minutes, I was really on board with this movie. I guess what I want to know is just at what point did this film kind of start to lose your interest? Yeah, that's that's a pretty easy one for me. Uh, and I liked your point too, Keith. I feel like we'll get into it a bit more when we talk about like the characters specifically, but they really thought, I don't know, it, it made me appreciate stuff like Bond more or just other uh, spy thrillers, like Bourne even, because like we never have any doubt that those characters can do the things that they're doing, you know? They missed the mark here, just having what I thought was a nice intro. And it's like, oh, okay, he's going to get trained up. And I didn't need like the movie to be all about his training. But when you just like skip all that and then cut to Bangkok and like they just keep telling us and like showing us that, oh, wow, he's like the best of the best. And it's like, I just don't believe I don't believe it because you, you've given me no reason to. I always believe that Bond or Bourne or whoever, they can do those things. But there was something missing here. I understand Sierra Six is good at what he does, but I never really, I shouldn't say I never knew why. Obviously, he got trained, but we just needed a little something so we could like believe all the hype, I guess, later on. As for where I kind of started to bow out of the movie, I was with Austin. I was I was still bought in for some of the beginning. I was like, oh, wow, this looks pretty good. I'm liking the set piece here in Bangkok. Pretty fun. Uh, I like the introduction to Ryan Gosling's character, like I said, but where things started to fall pretty far. I don't know if you guys were kind of as taken aback by this as I was. The plane sequence was cool. Whenever it's like, you know, the plane's falling apart and all that, and like they're still trying to fight, and he keeps like losing parachutes, which was a cool little device, and he has to uh, get another one. But when he falls out of the plane, it is some of like the worst CGI I've seen as he's falling through smoke and he's trying to grab a guy with a parachute and like they do close-ups on like the fake CGI face. I was like, wow, I can't believe you just took me out of a $200 million movie that fast. Where did the money go? Did you just give it to Chris (laughs) Evans? Because this looks like, I was like, I was, my jaw was, oh, this looks like shit. And I... From that moment on, it just became kind of like a snowball effect where it's like, I never thought the story was great up till that, but then I just, it just kept getting kind of worse and I, I started caring less from that point on. I think conservatively, 125 million of the 200 million went to the fireworks in the opening <laughs> scene because there was a there lot was a of lot. those. There was a lot. <laughs> I think for me, where I start to bow out of the movie, I, I actually think I made it further than you, Matt, where I really lost interest was the giant action set piece in Prague. I found unoriginal and extremely boring. And when that one kind of wraps up and I realized we're just headed to the castle after this, I was like, oof, I don't want to even finish this movie because I thought there was going to be a more interesting plot thread and it kind of just turns into, I'm going to go fight Chris Evans in a castle. Yeah, the plane crash scene, I don't think it bothered me as much as it did you, Matthew. Mm -hmm. I think I was definitely, I I guess I was definitely looking forward to it while it was happening. I was like, oh, wow, we're about to get a really cool plane crash scene. Like, like without remorse. Favorite film? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Best scene of that movie, though. That's it. That is yeah, true. it is. It was a good scene. Um, but yeah, it, the CGI was not the best. Um, <laughs> and it was very, very weird angles as he's skydiving down. Yeah. I'm like, I can't see anything that's happening. No, What's going he's on? just in smoke the whole time. <laughs> There's yeah. so much smoke because they're covering up the CGI. Yeah. Yeah. So that was odd. But no, that's not where it lost me. I think it lost me right whenever Fitzroy's uh, niece gets kidnapped. 
I think okay, yeah. It's just kind of like oh, that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna have to kidnap some somebody, and now it's gonna be a rescue movie where he's gonna have to go and find, you know, he's gonna have to go and try and get the the niece back. Yeah, that was like, that's a great point, Keith. Yeah, that was like a major part of the snowball effect. I agree with you guys. I like Julia Butters. I thought she was good in the movie, but when she gets kidnapped, I was actually kind of on board with that because I was like, oh, this is gonna be kind of interesting. Like Lloyd. Like immediately, one of the first things he does in the movie is like, okay, well, you know, we'll just kidnap his only like family and like torture them. And then he'll have to listen. Like Billy Bob Burton will have to listen to us and go against Sierra 6. I was like, oh shit. Okay. That's a cool villain thing where it like doubled down and fully lost me was like, are you serious? They have to do a flashback to reveal, oh, Sierra 6 and the niece, they kind of have like a little like companionship. They know each other. And I was like, great. So now at the end of the movie, it's going to be. Billy Bob Thornton dies, and then I I need like Sierra Six. Like whenever they did that flashback, just so they could show us that they knew each other, I was like, okay, didn't need that at all. I just thought this was headed somewhere else because Donald Fitzroy says multiple times in this movie that he's aware of the world he lives in, and I was like, oh, so he must have trained his niece to survive, right? No, he didn't do that because no. I thought what was going to happen is the niece was going to, you know, with that flashback, we were going to see, oh, she learned how to fight. And then she's going to escape from the castle. It was going to be Sierra Six and Claire, like, kind of fighting together. And I was interested in that, but that's not at all what this movie was. Something didn't add up with her flashback either. Well, then why did they just move her if his address got leaked? Just move her to somewhere else. Yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just so they could show that Sierra Six knew her. Do like Ryan Gosling's wink, though. He's a good winker. I wish he would wink at me like that. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. <laughs> My knees you know, would buckle. <laughs> <laughs> My knees would buckle. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny because, like, I'm not even joking. When I was watching the movie yesterday, there was some line that Ryan Gosling said that made me laugh. <laughs> I made a mental note to, like, oh, I should say that on the podcast, but I forgot. <laughs> so, that's just indicative of this movie. I don't know. I, I can't remember. Uh, the one joke, but he, I do remember him winking. So. I guess speaking of Sierra Six and the characters, I mean, we've already kind of talked about, you know, there's really not much to them. You know, we, we kind of enjoyed them for the most part, I guess. But were there any like standout moments with any of the characters? Or would you say that like really the only kind of standout things with the characters were like when they were fighting or the action. Like, was there anything to kind of latch onto here that was cool? The thing I liked about Ryan Gosling's portrayal of Sierra Six is, so he's a guy that was kind of like just plucked up and put into this life. He never chose it. Yeah. And so I liked with him being involved in all this stuff that kind of escalates out of nowhere is he just seems like so bored and very uninterested, but not in like a, I don't want to be here type thing. And just like, Kind of like he says a lot, it's just another day for him. Like, I liked how he never gets kind of flustered. He never gets, like, ragey. It's just like, I got to deal with this and move on. I, I like kind of just how uninterested and, like, I guess suave and cool he is. And, like, just the one-liners and, like, he beats all these guys up and then, like, leaves the room and has, like, a quip to say. Like, I, I liked all that stuff with this character. It was kind of, like, a good mix of Bond because Bond can be kind of like that, too, kind of cool and quiet. But then you kind of have like the Ethan Hunt stuff too from Mission Impossible where he's super good with gadgets and all that kind of stuff and can do some crazy stunts. I think the thing that was kind of bugging me about the Chris Evans character, while I still liked all of, I, I liked most of what his character was doing, I think it was almost too light though at times where it, it's like they couldn't decide whether they wanted this to be more of like a comedy or more of an action. Like he was almost too 
loose and like happy all the time. Like even when he's getting like stabbed and shot, he's like still like laughing and everything like that and having a good time. It's like I don't know. I was kind of getting confused about what they wanted to do with his character. It's just unbelievable with him. It's like too yeah. over the top that the CIA yeah. would never work with someone like this. Yeah. Yeah, and they and they just say that they kicked him out. And then they say he went to Harvard with the three of them. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, they revealed at one point that those three I don't know if friends is the right word, but they all went to school together and knew each other. And that's why Denny Carmichael, his name's Denny, uh, <laughs> decided to work with him. But if he if this is like a former CIA guy that ends up going like on his own, doesn't the CIA care about that? Do they not take measures to prevent this guy that they're like, oh, yeah, he's a psycho. So we kicked him out. Why would they <laughs> kick him out of the CIA and then employ him as a private contractor? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Because he's willing to break the rules. Because his friend Denny said that's up what for Sierra him. Six is supposed to do. Oh, Hanson's the only one that can break the rules. Yeah, he's. I think he says that. And to Matt's point, do not name your main villain Denny. Because every time <laughs> another character says that name, the audience is going to laugh like I did. Yeah, that was unfortunate. I guess it, he must have been named that in the book, but they should have changed it. Or just call him Carmichael. Yeah, that would have been better. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I guess I agree with what you guys are saying. Maybe Chris Evans worked more for me, but it's nothing to do with the character. It's literally just that he was like a fun, hammy 80s action movie villain. Um, yeah, but, that's what I liked about but it. But still, yeah, to your point, it, a lot of what's happening does not make sense. Um, I did actually like some of his non-action moments just because they were good for a chuckle. Just like watching him like sitting in the castle, like watching the cameras as he's just like eating grapes and, and shit <laughs> and just watching his plan fail, like sending in like teams alpha through delta watching them all die and just watching his reactions to stuff was fun were you surprised how uninvolved he was in the action though a little because he was set up to be the big villain and then he's on a couch for most of the movie yeah i thought there was probably a better way to do that it would have been cool to see him like actually like leading those teams during the fights and then maybe he just keeps failing because yeah yeah to your point really it's we see him like the scene where they, they jump out of the window and then he immediately gets shot and then the fight at the end, which was cool, but yeah, not a lot of involvement from Chris Evans. I definitely expected more. What do you, what were your guys' like? What do we need to talk about in regards to Anna Armas's character? We already kind of alluded to. We wish we would have gotten more, but I think she suffers the most. Like there, it almost felt like a husk of a character. It's unclear like what her connections is to this whole organization and agents and whatever. And by the time she like gets roped in with Ryan Gosling and like they're they're leading a full assault on this castle, I was like, I don't even know what she's like, what her motivation is, what she wants, what she's doing. Like they've really just given us nothing <laughs> except like a couple fight scenes of this character. I was let down with this character for sure. Um, not Anna Diarmas' fault. Just we've seen in No Time to Die that she's so good at action and for the big um, train set piece, she's stuck driving a car for the whole thing. She's not involved in that. For the final assault on the castle, she's a little bit removed because she's firing a rocket launcher the whole time. My favorite scene of the movie is her fight with the lone wolf, where they're both strangling each other with the same cord. I think that's one of the best scenes, but it's way too quick, and we don't get to learn really anything about this character. I did like the scenes where she's being interrogated by Denny. thought those were fun, um, but other than that, she's just kind of wasted, unfortunately. As far as like dialogue goes, we really didn't get a lot between her and, and Series 6. It's like They're always just kind of looking at each other, making like little comments to each other. But there's never really long conversations, except for the the one where she's like, "What what did you do to get in prison?" And that was kind of like that was kind of it. I don't know. Obviously, the uh, plotting of this movie isn't super interesting, but there is a lot of action. I think Austin it was you that kind of already mentioned that there wasn't anything like majorly stand out for you in this movie. But let's let's go through some of the sequences because 
this is where a lot of the money went. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, what what are like the good action scenes in this movie? I thought the fireworks scene was the most creative one um, when they're like putting each other's heads over the tubes as the fireworks are about to shoot out and stuff. Like, there's definitely stakes in that scene. Um, the other one I liked is on the train when he looks in the reflection of a window to kill the guy below him. Those are kind of the two that stand out to me. Everything else felt pretty generic. I like the beginning of the plane scene when he starts fighting the extractors or whatever they were called. Using the flare to add color to that scene was cool. That was, yeah. I like that. I like that. And then I guess the scene whenever he breaks out of the uh, the well was kind of cool with the bomb mm. and he's and he comes that was out my of the favorite water. like technical scene when he like seeing how he got out of that was really cool. Yeah, like that moment you mentioned with the reflection, Austin. I mean, there's always those cool like individual moments. Like that was a fun like action hero type thing I thought. But that whole sequence, I mean, that was like I guess the main action sequence of the movie. And I don't know, it kind of let me down. I did like having to watch Ryan Gosling like not have a gun and he's attached to like a park bench and he's having to like maneuver around that and stay alive. That was kind of fun. I don't know. Maybe, maybe honestly, the hospital sequence where uh, they do fucking Darth Maul and they have uh, Danusha's character fight both of um, Anna Armas and Ryan Gosling at the same time. That was kind of fun. And then watching, I think he just stabs uh, Ryan Gosling in, in the leg with scissors and <laughs> Ryan Gosling's just like, <laughs> that's what I mean by like the uninterested part of his character. Like every time he gets hurt, he's like, I have to do this again, like rehab yeah. and stuff. Like yeah. <laughs> it yeah. just looks like he's done all this before. Yeah. yeah. Um, with the hospital scene, is it kind of becoming like an action movie trope now to fight somebody with like the electric shock paddles? I feel like we've seen mm-hmm. that so much in the past mm-hmm. two years in action movies. That might be fair. That might yeah. be fair. Another moment where we had like a chance for Anna DeArmas to shine is when, you know, he tosses her the gun and she goes after him on the bike. Yeah. But then it's not loaded. And I get like, it was funnier when that came back with the Chris Evans fight later. He's like, you never throw a loaded gun, Lloyd. That was funny. But that joke just fell flat for me. I was more excited to see Anna DeArmas kick some ass. I guess speaking of the, the Chris Evans bit at the end, I mean, was that like, I don't know. Did you guys get any catharsis during their kind of one-on-one No, I was battle? like, wrap it up. <laughs> Let's get the credits, please. I was hoping Anna DeArmas was going to snipe him. That's what I was yeah. looking for. She yeah. had kind of had him in sights. At one that her smarter. job is just to yeah. go get the girl, basically. Yeah, so could have sniped him and then got the kid. Yeah, yeah. that would have made sense, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to find the positive moments <laughs> when I can. But I did like, you know, Chris Evans pulling out the butterfly knife. And I was like, oh, shit, are they going to kill Sierra Six? He, he stabbed him a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool, but. That's it. And then it's like, oh, the big reveal isn't that Anna de Armas is holding the gun. Isn't that uh, uh, Claire Fitzroy is holding the gun. It's Jessica Henwick's weird CIA character is the one that kills Lloyd. And then she's like, I'm going to put you back in prison. I'm going to use this to hold over Carmichael. I was like, ugh, I just, I don't know. I mean, you're okay. <laughs> Wrap it up. Your response to credits. him, like, yeah, your response <laughs> to him, like, killing innocent people is just like, Lloyd, you can't do that. And now it's like, this is the catharsis is just you shoot him. I don't know. At the end of the movie, after all that's happened. <laughs> Do you think we should have shown Six escaping the prison, like the whole sequence of, of him escaping the prison, and then also breaking back into uh, uh, Julia Butters' house and, and killing all those guys? Would you guys have wanted to see that? Yeah. I mean, this ending is a very weird, weirdly paced ending where we get our, our big bad moment with Suzanne cuts to all the CIA like interrogation stuff of like we're exonerating you from whatever then when you go down to the basement and you realize like oh he's out 
And now our, our two like despicable people are trapped in the room with him. This is going to be so rewarding. We're going to see him take him out. And then it just cuts to a totally different location. Like, all right, cool. We're going to see him clear the house and, and bust in and save her. And we don't even see that. I guess they ran out of their $200 million by this point because the next scene is him walking into a they room and they... <laughs> it's just a very unsatisfying ending because it wasn't satisfying to see Suzanne kill Lloyd. Would have rather seen Six do that. And then it wasn't very satisfying to not see Sierra Six like have a badass moment at the end of the film. Like you said earlier, he definitely has those Ethan Hunt moments where it's like he can survive anything like that crazy train crash. He somehow survived that and falling out of a plane without a parachute. So I understand that he's a badass. But like I said at the beginning, they just didn't do a good job of setting up how or like even why. There's just something missing in this movie. And at the end, it's like, wow, if you had shown us like how he escaped the CIA headquarters and then made it and broke into this house and saved like the one person that means something to him, it's like, if I had seen that, I probably would have been more excited and I would have believed like, wow, he really can do anything and he can get out of any situation. Like him escaping the trapdoor well thing. I don't know. It just wasn't enough to prove to me how he could do this. And I feel like one of the worst things you can ask yourself in an action movie like this is, wow, how did that character do that? And if I don't believe they can, then it kind of sucks. Like they literally don't show him escaping prison and saving the girl. <laughs> he just walks in with a one liner. Do you think you would have believed that CR6 is more capable? If the intro to the movie had been more of Sierra Six like beginning missions where we see him being pretty capable, maybe and maybe he runs into a younger Lloyd, he runs into a younger um, Anna de Armas character, just setting up something. And yet, it's one of those things that it's a shitty criticism because like I don't know how they fix it. All I know is how I felt watching it, which is like I know Ryan Gosling can do action, and you know he's great at that, so I believe like him. But I, there's something there's something missing about the character. Maybe it goes back to your original point, Austin, that this movie is just trying to juggle and it's trying to be too many things. Like, I, I thought it was comical whenever he's getting drowned at the end and then it's like he flashes back to his childhood and killing his dad. I was like, this is just, I, I get it, but it's still goofy. That's why you went to prison. I understand, but I still, I don't know. This, this action hero is just, I think more work needs to be done if they ever want Sierra 6 to like, you know, join the ranks of your Ethan Hunts, your Bonds, your Bournes, where you never question how they do it. You just inherently believe that those, you know, heroes, uh, Ripley from Alien, like they can do anything. I don't know how or why court gentry can. <laughs> <laughs> the more interesting part of this movie is the Sierra 6 program to me. I would have rather seen a movie focused on that. And maybe this is a sequel down the road. I mean, yeah, I I would have liked to have seen like a like a cool, I guess, kind of Men in Black moment where like like Fitzroy takes him from the prison and like walks into like this nice like facility and like there's all these other people there like Gentry training, like doing tactical training and like working out and stuff and like becoming tough and and learning all these like really good skills. Uh, I would have liked to have seen something like that, just more of his training montage. And they allude to that in his conversation with Sierra 4. But once again, it's them telling us about it and, and not showing us, which is pretty disappointing. The other weird thing I found about this ending is they keep mentioning throughout the film, like, oh, the old man. Hope the old man doesn't find out about this. And then we never figure out who the guy above Denny is calling the shots in. Was that weird to you guys, too? Because mm. I never even really thought about it. Yeah. Because I guess, like either. you said, the, the whole ending is just weirdly paced. Like, the, the fact that Carmichael doesn't really get his comeuppance at the end seems weird because a lot of the movie was about, you know, the MacGuffin of this encrypted drive that they have to get Cahill, like the old handler, whoever, whatever her role was, to help them figure it out. And it's like, oh, shit, Carmichael not only is like a dick, but he's also like, 
using these CIA resources for his own benefit. I was like, oh, okay. I wonder how that's going to pay off. And the way it pays off is just, you know, Jessica Henwick's character is like, I'm going to blame all this on Lloyd now that he's dead. And now I have a, I have a one up on Carmichael. Now he has to, he owes me one or I can blackmail him. It's like, oh, that's the ending. Like, why did we go through all this stuff with this drive when basically Carmichael also <laughs> gets a pat on the back at the end? It was like so unsatisfying. Well, it is heavily rumored that there is both a prequel and a sequel in the works for the Gray Man franchise. Uh, Chris Evans is rumored to be back for the prequel. And of course, Ryan Gosling is set to reprise his role for a sequel. I think I know the answer to this, but are we interested in a Grayverse? Oh, the Grayverse? No, I mean, to answer the question, it's easy. No, I'm not interested in it. (laughs) But I don't know, man. I guess we've seen crazier things happen. I feel like I'm the only person in the world. I don't know. I don't know if we ever talked about this, but. I thought like Zack Snyder's Netflix project, Army of the Dead, it was fun. I didn't think it was very good, but it was it was a good time. I definitely enjoyed it more than this. Um, and whenever they announced like, here's all these other projects we're doing in the Army of the Dead universe, I was like, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't warrant that. But then I got to say, I watched the Army of Thieves movie and I was like, mm. wow, they're making yeah. a prequel about the Safecracker character. Who gives a fuck? And it was way better than Army of the Dead. It was like actually really good. I was like, oh, wow. Uh, So now I'm actually excited for that stuff. So my point being, if they do a Gray Man sequel and it's like directed by, I guess my my point is the cast is too good to waste. So maybe try getting some different directors and writers in there, have the Russo brothers still produce it. And then, you know, maybe they could tell a better story. I guess this is a book series. So maybe there's some other interesting stories to tell. I'm not sure. as for a prequel, even though I just talked good about the Army of the Dead prequel, the tough thing here about like a prequel with Lloyd in it is I, I think that character is just too much of like a hammy 80s villain. Like you're never going to be a, you're never going to be able to explain in a satisfying way like, oh, here's where Lloyd came from. This is why he's so fucked up. Like, I don't yep. care. He kills like kids and innocent people like I don't maybe they make a prequel where we don't root for Lloyd. Maybe he is like a a bad guy. Maybe that could work. I don't know. But I'm not particularly interested in finding out about a prequel story, unless to your earlier point, they actually make a movie that focuses on the Sierra 6 program when it was in its prime. Maybe that could be good. I don't know. But I think that's probably all wishful thinking. 100% agree. I have no interest in the Lloyd Hansen story, a gray man story. Like I I don't want to see that at all. I, I like him as a villain, but a full movie dedicated to him does not sound fun to me. As for a sequel with Ryan Gosling back as Sierra 6, I'm interested. I hope they can find a better story to tell. I think he was really fun in the role. I think he's one of the better parts of the movie. So a different team. I feel like we've been saying this a lot lately. Different team, better story. Maybe we'll get a good movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm also not interested at all in a Lloyd Hansen um, <laughs> reprise. But um, yeah, I, I am interested in Sierra 6 if they want to do something else with that. Um, whether it's a sequel or a prequel, I think a sequel would be cool. Would be, would be better, and then they just have flashbacks of his training, um, like kind of coming in, c- coming in and out every every once in a while. How do you think Sierra Six is going to be as a father figure to Claire? Not great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll be gone all the time. <laughs> yeah, what a weird like. Whenever like he makes her leave before the final fight with Lloyd, doesn't she says something like, "You're all I have." I'm like, oh my god, like they met once, and then they have to. <laughs> Cut back one more time and be like, kick his ass. So (laughs) dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. All right, everybody. Well, there you go. That's the gray man for you. If you watched it, 
let us know what you thought. Are we crazy? And if you didn't watch it, I hope you enjoyed the conversation because I promise you it was better than the actual movie. Before we fully close out, though, guys, uh, it's time for the Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is the part of the show where we just single something out from the project we're talking about. Can be positive, can be negative, just something that we feel is in desperate need of an award. So, Austin Keith, who's going to start us off? Yeah, I'm bringing back one of Keith's favorite awards. Um, it's the mm. Toby Maguire Broken Back Award. Oh. And that is to pretty much every character in this movie, because I'm pretty sure four separate times people look one way and see a window and look another way and see a door to a staircase. And four times they all opt to instead run straight at the window and just jump out and land mm-hmm. on their back. So yeah. multiple characters in this movie have the Toby Maguire Broken Back Award. Ah, my back. My back. I'm going to give the most likely to survive Scream 6 award to Mr. Court Gentry. Oh. He gets stabbed He gets stabbed at least 100 times That's in this movie. That's a very good point. There's one, one scene where he's like, a he kind of goes into the anatomy. He's like, oh, I missed the kidney and the liver. No, ma- no major organs were hit. I'm good. Like, you're still stabbed Thursday. like eight times. Who is yeah. Court Gentry? <laughs> Sierra 6. He has a name? Yeah. <laughs> oh. They just call him Six or Kid the whole movie. No, I, I did know, not know right. his name was Court. Like I said, I didn't know. The only character's name that I knew in this movie was Lloyd and Denny. <laughs> Court Gentry is a worse name than Denny. Oh, God. <laughs> um, wow, Keith, that, that's bold. Do you really think that maybe, in fact, the next time that we see our hero Court Gentry won't be in the Gray Man 2, but... They're planning a crossover with Scream 6. Maybe he got trained by Deputy Dewey in the Tel Aviv airport. Oh, the Tel Aviv airport. Wow, Dewey. He is a big traveler, as we know. Uh, now he's dead. So we talked a lot about uh, how Anna Armas was wasted in this movie, but I think she deserves an award because I support her. I want her to go make as many movie and TV projects as possible. I want her to get paid in a big way. I think she does too because her award... I'm going to give is the best stunt double award. And that goes to the person that we're supposed to believe is Anna de Armas, but is really just wearing full body armor at the end, <laughs> covering her face. So, in fact, she was in even less of this movie than we thought. Props to her. She has figured out a way to, to barely work and make a lot of money. So <laughs> yeah. that's the dream. Yeah. No time to die in this. I mean, that's just a, a couple days work. <laughs> give her a full movie, somebody. Please. All right. Well, while we're waiting for Anna de Armas to get that movie... In the meantime, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday to talk about all the movies and TV shows that came out this year that we haven't talked about already. And I'll tell you what, the list is a lot longer than I thought. So I'm excited. Should be a fun catch up. And last week, if you want to hear our thoughts on the second half of The Boys Season 3, we did put out our thoughts on Episodes 5 through 8. We talked about the finale. We talked about Homelander. We talked about Butcher. So anything you want to know about The Boys Season 3, be sure to go check that episode out. And lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of The Gray Man? Should Chris Evans ever have a mustache again? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's all right, everybody. Let us know your thoughts on this one because we didn't like it. Are we crazy? I want to know. I really do want to know. Um, and yeah, 
Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time for that 2022 movie and TV catch up. And because this movie is 85% one-liners, I'll throw one out there to close. So, okay to chew gum in here. We don't chew gum in this house. <laughs>